Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Oh, hey, it's you. Or is it me? It's me, your host, Nick, that's that's for sure. And it's probably the hottest fucking week of the year so far, at least for me. And if you hear some feedback, that's just fans in the background because I'm, I'm dying of unbearable heat to get my thoughts out to you guys this week and was ready to cancel if it wasn't so goddamn... Ah, Jesus. I, I would have canceled, I should say, if it was hotter. Because I just... It's unbearable. It's unbearable, the heat. And I don't want to bog you guys down with unnecessary background noise. But sometimes it's necessary for us to be comfortable. And hopefully it's not too loud. But no more dealing with uncomfortableness and heat and just other stupid things we all have to deal with. Let's just get right into the thick of it, shall we? And some things we're going to talk about this week are holdovers from last week, just because it got dominated by Gamescom and D23. Uh, I'm not really going to talk about Control. I I do have it. I just haven't had a whole lot of chance to play. I did get a couple hours in, so I I don't really have any major thoughts other than it's a remedy game and it, it... they do things so well, so it, I, I, I'm not worried so far what I've done. And I did get to go to Halo Outpost Discovery this past weekend, and, and we'll get to that at the end of the show, though, really. Um, that's going to that's gonna be our, our send-off, if you will. Kind of light, though, compared to past weeks on, on, wh- on what's going on, at least in terms of show notes, if, if you will. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's get right into video games, as, as per usual. Uh, Mario and Sonic at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics was announced. And the new feature this year, you'll actually get to play as the old Mario and Sonic 2D sprites from back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Get to play some gaming nostalgia there. And partake in the 2020 Olympics. That is, uh, I don't know when the game is going to come out, but that will be out. Before next summer, presumably. Just in time for the actual Olympics. I still can't can't get over how Akira predicted that back then. That we'd have the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. I don't think... Th- there hasn't been an Olympics in Japan for quite a while, actually. So that's good. It's always good. I mean, the U.S. They're coming back to the U.S. in 28. So about nine more years. Anyway, also some sad news. Uh, GameStop announced that they laid off about 120 people at their corporate office, about 6% of their corporate workforce, along with nearly half of the editorial staff at Game Informer, which is just about a crushing blow to the magazine. I mean, now that I think about it, I, I, I don't know if, 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 it's as pop, if Game Informer is as popular as it used to be. I mean, I get it every month because I still have my uh, pro rewards or whatever at GameStop. It comes, it comes free with that. A lot of people do digital. I mean, magazines are are they're just not they're just not as popular as they used to be. But Game Informer was always uh, uh, separate from the rest of the crowd. They they were a little bit better in terms of their reviews and the stories they had, and not many other sites can compare, with the exception of Kotaku and IGN and Polygon. Those three, along with Game Informer, are like the standard bearers. Whereas GameSpot is eh at best and it's a lot of clickbait just like the gamer which is part of like screen rant and all that bullshit and otherwise you got to go to like youtube and and things like this but game informer is one of the top tier gaming journalist institutions and hopefully this isn't a sign of worse things to come some other news kind of broke the gaming internet if you will last week and that had to do with ps5 dev kits that seem to have leaked, or images of them, and everyone thinks that that's what the PS5 is going to look like, and they are not not pretty looking. And I hope to God a PS5 doesn't look like that because it uh, kind of ugly looking. It's 
It has this giant V shape in the middle, obviously, you know, five, for like the venting. And I, I just hope that it's just a dev kit because that's not a good looking console. And hopefully they, they don't do that. But then again, Sony is known for having odd looking dev kits uh, from what I've seen in the past. You know, these articles, they put up pictures of previous dev kits. So I, I don't think it's anything we have to worry about just yet. Uh, WoW Classic launched last week uh, to massive amounts of people. Uh, so much so that they were all lining up to partake in raids to get certain uh, quest items and things like this. And, and, and surprisingly, they were all being very cordial with each other. You know, online gaming nowadays seems to have a lot of hate and vitriol. And it's always good to see people acting in good faith in, in WoW, especially WoW Classic. And uh, I guess someone already hit the level cap last week um, before, like, anyone else did. And it was just a single player on his own, surprisingly. But, yeah, WoW Classic. If you're into that or want never played the original and want to, that, that's available to you now to, to partake in. Uh, Nintendo had some uh, news regarding its mobile games this week. Mario Kart Tour uh, announced its release date is September 25th on iOS and Android. You can go and pre-order that now. And then Pokemon Masters finally launched. And a lot of people said it was uh, play to, pay to win. Uh, so far, I've been playing it for about a week. And so far, I've been having some fun with it. It's very simple. It, it offers a, a look at what a possible uh, uh, next-gen Pokemon game could look like that was inspired heavily by the anime and, and the newer style 3D games. I'm, I'm wondering if, if uh, uh, Sword and Shield will take any cues from it. And granted, it... it the characters still aren't voiced, but they, they do have some words that they say and things that don't really match up with the words on screen, though. So the Pokemon is still a little behind in, in terms of that uh, in, in, in the gaming world. But I'm, I'm sure we don't have to worry too much as as time goes on. But that's uh, it's OK. Like I said, I'm, I'm having fun with it, though. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how long it lasts and how things play out in the future for it. And uh, as more and more details of, of games came out, uh, especially out of Gamescom, there was a lot of Death Stranding stuff that came out. Kojima announced that parts of Death Stranding will actually have first-person elements, uh, so it won't be entirely third-person. Uh, you don't have to worry about anything like that right now, at least. Ninja, always in the news lately, has uh, signed an Adidas sponsorship deal, which is was kind of surprising. I, I don't... Like, I get it, but I don't. So is he going to have his own shoes? Is I mean, it's not really... You don't really see shoes when you're streaming gaming unless he's going to be more active wear. I, I'm, I'm guessing. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that partnership plays out. And some other stuff here. 6.6 uh, 6 million apps have been uploaded into the Master Chief Collection from FileShare, from Halo 2, uh, 3, 4... And Halo Reach, uh, back from the 360 days. Uh, this is on top of the news that several million player-created modes had already been uploaded into the Master Chief Collection. Those will be all ready to go once once Reach la launches, I'm pretty sure, and then when the MCC launches on PC. Uh, which I did get to play this weekend, and, and we'll talk about that, like I said, at the end of the show when we get to what was going on, on at uh, Halo Outpost Discovery. Also, it uh, started as a rumor, and then it got became official. Uh, Disney Classic Games Collection, Aladdin and the Lion King has been announced for Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. And it will include Disney's Aladdin, the Sega Genesis version, Disney's Aladdin, the Game Boy version, as well as the Super Game Boy version, Disney's Aladdin Final Cut, whatever that means, Disney's Aladdin Trade Show Demo, a demo version that has not been publicly available since 1993. This is all according official wording from them. The Lion King Sega Genesis version, the Lion King Super Nintendo version, the Lion King Game Boy and Game Super Game Boy version. Now... Uh, it also will include upscaled graphics, although you can access the original builds as well, filters for visual enhancement, customizable controls, interactive game viewer that lets you watch a pre-recorded play and jump into the game at any time, which is kind of weird, a rewind feature, explorable museum, art gallery, and music player. Now, uh, and it's going to cost 30 bucks, which is awesome, and out on October 29th. 
Now, the funny thing is, is that the Aladdin, the SNES version of Aladdin is not being included. Uh, if you guys know anything about your video game history, back in the early 90s when Super Nintendo and Je Genesis were the consoles du jour, it was games would be made, would be released on the systems, but would be made by different teams and would look and play completely differently from each other. It's, they wouldn't be like the third-party games of today that are, are just controller swaps. This is, so Aladdin on SNES and Aladdin on Genesis look completely different, play completely differently, almost nothing's the same. And if, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure the Genesis version was the far superior version of Aladdin and that the SNES version was lacking in many significant ways. I'll have to look into that a little bit more just to, to verify that, but if I'm not mistaken, that's probably one of the reasons it's not being included on this collection coming out later in October. And here we go. Telltale Games is possibly being revived. Uh, they've been purchased by a holding company, and they got the backlog, back catalog, and the, the, the IP rights, surprisingly. Been purchased by LCG Entertainment. Uh, this was per Polygon. The new Telltale Games is run by Jamie Ottilly and Brian Waddle. Ottilly was the founder and CEO of Galaxy Pest Control, which worked on such licensed properties as Duck Dynasty and Power Rangers. And Waddle had ran sales and marketing for the Havoc game engine. So these people are, have been involved in gaming for quite a while. Uh, they also confirmed that some workers for the original Telltale game will be offered freelance roles with full-time full positions possible in the future. That's a direct quote. Um, so they specifically called out Batman and the Wolf Among Us, uh, which was originally supposed to get a sequel and was canceled at the last minute as Telltale fell apart. Uh, also, a direct quote from them, It's possible the new Telltale will pick up some stories where they left off, obviously hinting at something to come. And then also, this is a viable business that went away due to market conditions and some scale choices telltale's previous management made i like games that tell stories and i think our industry should have a company that specializes in narrative driven games and they'll handle storefront operations and distributions and they also said uh, so they're going to be moving to malibu previously in san francisco we're going to stay small over the next six months and we will work for more of a distributed development pipeline than telltale was known for we'll focus on tools technology and design in-house some things like animation and motion capture will be done with the right partnerships externally we will probably keep the concept of episodes, but with different pacing. This is a different world from a media consumption standpoint. We need to look at how people like to entertain themselves. I like the idea of binge-watching. This is all from Otley. The original Telltale brought me some of my favorite stories to play, and they did an amazing job building a company. It's unfortunate the way it ended. Certainly, we're working very hard not to make similar mistakes. So, yeah, and uh, what is this? Polygon also says that... Some former managers have been consulted in an unofficial capacity. Oh, interesting. The problem with Telltale is they were really cool when The Walking Dead came out. That's like when they finally hit it big. And then things kind of just stayed the same from there. I, the only Telltale games that, I've, that I like actually own and have played through was the first Batman game. Yeah, I got parts of The Walking Dead and Games with Gold. I think I got The Wolf Among Us. I probably own it from a Games with Gold. I've never played it. I know it's supposed to be an amazing story. The problem was, is their engine got stale over time. It was all licensed stuff that was meant to tie in with what they were, but then took these really different approaches. Like, the Batman story was serviceable, I'll say. it. I, don't, I wasn't a huge fan of it, because it, it deviated. Just because it's the choose-your-own-adventure type thing, that it deviates a little too much for my personal taste. And we'll, we'll kind of expand on that a little later in a different topic. But I, I, I just got bored with Telltale Games. And the, the main reason is, yes, they're, they're story-driven games, but it was just all quick-time events that there'd be points where I'd just kind of be sitting there not doing anything. And it's like, I either just want to watch it or play. I, I don't want to do both, that they're so spread out that it, it's just kind of like there's points where I should just be watching this and not have to press a button every... 10 minutes or so and and i don't know we'll see we'll see how they do things in the future moving forward uh, we also got some new cyberpunk details and uh, this is after they put out a 15 minute uh demo uh last week to, to everyone and some of these these are the new details the player character named v can choose one of three life paths nomad street kid or corporate uh, nomad is roaming the badlands looting scrapyards raiding fuel depots life on the road wasn't easy but growing up in a nomad 
clan has its perks. Honesty, integrity, and love of freedom. Qualities that few in Night City possess. Uh, street Kid is, they say if you want to understand the streets, you gotta live them. Gangs, fixers, dolls, smart time pushers, you were raised by them all. Down here, the law of the jungle dictates the weak serve the strong. And then corporate is, few leave the corporate world with their lives. Few are still with their souls intact. You've been there, you've bent the rules, exploited secrets, and weaponized information. Interesting. Interesting choices. Uh, the player's life path will influence how others interact with them, but a player is not beholden to their past and can change. Uh, create a character by choosing body type, appearance, and attributes. Uh, these cl include body intelligence, reflexes, technical, and cool. Uh, and says, cool is not about simply looking cool in the world of cyberpunk, but how a player's character reacts and performs under intense pressure. Interesting. Uh, also, uh, cyberpunk does not limit players and force them to choose a single class. You can mix and match skills. Uh, there are three main archetypes, solo, techie, and netrunner. You can hybridize those, though. So Netrunner is able to hack and manipulate many devices in 2077's world. They can use nanowires to hack enemies and machines from afar. Uh, they can also be used as a whip. And Netrunners can hack into access points to control devices in an area and even quick hack cameras and turrets. They can play as a stealthy runner, Netrunner, an aggressive Netrunner, or a combination of both. And then Strong Solo can use their strength to create a completely new place experience. They can rip turrets off their base and use them as weapons, open doors with brute strength. Techies can use devices and hardware to their advantage, including the ability to use Flathead, an auto autonomous robot ally, or V can send Flathead to manipulate devices, repair items, attack enemies, and much, much more. Uh, got a couple more things coming here. I just want to get most of these out to you guys. Yeah, I know it's a lot of news on here. Uh, guns can be of one many classes, including smart guns that have homing bullets, tech weapons that can be pierce covers and power weapons and our street grade firearms like a bursting shotgun looks and attachments of weapons can be customized and some will change how a weapon reacts some weapons have a second firing mode uh, cyberpunk will also feature a shotgun with eight barrels that shoot all at the same time that's a little fun fact there melee weapons will be available cyberware allows players to augment their bodies and replace body parts with cybernetic implants this is all ign put this in a nice little list for us all here there are other cyberware enhancements uh, perks and skills can be used in tandem and can improve one another. And CD Projekt Red is aware of the problem that occurs when a cool-looking piece of gear doesn't have the best stats and is working on a way to allow players to look how they want and still maintain the best gear. Uh, with that, they should do like with what Assassin's Creed Odyssey did, where you can equip whatever gear you want, but you can press a button and make it look like any gear you've previously owned. I'm not going to go too much into the city or the stories because we'll 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 wait for that as we get closer to the game. Don't want to spoil too much here. Um, and then one more major story before we transition here. Uh, Ubisoft, uh, an executive there, has has some choice words for Steam, which is not unexpected in today's world. Uh, their vice president for partnerships and revenue, Chris Early, says that uh, he's speaking to the New York Times of all people that. It's unrealistic, the current business model that they have. It doesn't reflect where the world is today in terms of game distribution. Um, this is in, in regards to their 30% of a game sale price that they keep. So, not surprised he said that. Steam, or Ubisoft, skipped Steam and put Division 2 on the Epic Store, much to many gamers' chagrin. And that kind of explains why they, they were not a big fan of, of how Steam plays plays by their own rules essentially and they, they do take a big cut and as things start to shift i mean that that's one of the reasons a lot of people want a, a competitor to steam to come along uh, mainly because steam is is almost too big to fail if you will and people just i mean competition's always good but steam doesn't have a monopoly because there are still many other places you can go to get games digitally granted most of them are not as fully fleshed out as Steam. I mean, we all know the issues with Epic. People have a lot of issues with the Microsoft Game Store, even though that really ties into Xbox Live, so there's at least a friends list and things like that. Uh, there's Good Old Games, which is more for older games. And then Ubisoft has Uplay, and EA has uh, Origin and things like this. Th those stores are not nearly as, as fleshed out as Steam is, though, and the support that Steam has. And Steam has so much other things going on for it. But I, it... It's interesting, and, and we'll see how things start to play out as, as time moves forward, as more and more games start to go to the Epic Game Store and forego Steam. 
but at the same time, Microsoft is kind of using Steam as their partner. Gears 5 launching on the platform, the Halo Master Chief collection going to the platform, uh, what Destiny, uh, even though it's not Microsoft, but Destiny is leaving. Granted, their partnership with Act- Activision ended, so obviously it's not going to stay on Battle.net, but that they're going to Steam. Halo uh, Infinite will be on Steam next year, presumably. It, it's interesting to see and to watch how things will play out. A lot of people have said Microsoft should just buy Steam. They have the money to buy Valve, even though Valve is worth a lot of money. But I don't know. I do not know how things will play out in the future. And just kind of ending games here, we got uh, with September now being in full swing. Uh, If you have PlayStation Plus, you can pick up Arkham Knight or Darksiders 3 as your free games of the month. Uh, And if you're over on Xbox with Gold membership, Xbox Live Gold, you can hit hit uh, pick up Hitman the complete first season, which was the the reboot. Uh, we were here. Both of those are the Xbox One titles. Uh, and for Xbox 360 and backwards compatible, you can get Earth Defense Force Earth Defense Force 2025 or Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Anyway, moving on to TV here. Not a whole lot going on in TV world. Uh, the Breaking Bad movie had its trailer released. Uh, this time, you can see that the movie is going to be focusing on Jesse. I don't know a whole lot of what, about what's going on because uh, I never watched Breaking Bad. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners are probably going like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Nick, that you've never watched Breaking Bad? I, I know, I know, I just, I'll get around to it at some point. It's on Netflix, so I'll watch it at some point. Relax. I can hear you screaming through your devices a week from, a few days from when, from when I'm recording. I can already hear you screaming at me from the future. But whatever, I don't care. Falling on deaf ears. John Barrowman announced that he will be returning to Arrow as Malcolm Merlin for the final season. It's always a joy to have him back. It's it's uh, been a while. He just brings so much fun to the role. He's he's always having so much fun when he does it. And speaking of Arrow and it being its final season, Stephen Amell announced that he has found a new home once Arrow ends, and he's joining the show Heels, which is going to be on the Stars Network. It's about a wrestling show, and he's going to be playing the the villain if you will, of the wrestling f- federation that he's joining, or I don't know what to call it. I just call it a federation because I grew up with the WWF. Um, that's cool. I mean, he's always been into, into wrestling. He always does a lot of stuff with the WWE now. A lot of pro wrestlers have also been on, on Arrow as villains. I mean, he's friends with Cody Reigns. So it, it, it makes sense that he would join a show like this. Uh, it's something something he likes to do he's got he's got the physical chops i mean look at the stuff he does on on arrow i mean he's not he doesn't do all the stunts but he does do some of them uh it's a sad day for saturday night live one of their best cast members and writers who's been with the show for longer than she's been on the air uh, leslie jones is leaving saturday night live and that upsets me because she's probably one of the best people on that show and i i just i loved her on that show and it's gonna it's gonna be sad without her there because she brought a lot of good just comedy gold to it that's upsetting it's upsetting but people got to move on they can't all be keenan and stay on the show for two decades youtube has announced that season one of cobra kai is now free and does not require a youtube red subscription Uh, so if you are a big fan of karate kid now's your chance to watch it without having to pay for youtube red Got some more news out of Disney 23 after the convention had ended. Uh, it looks like Kenobi will actually take place eight years after Return, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Return of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Come on, Nick. So now we kind of have an idea of timeline-wise when that will be. Uh, like, like, like the report had said, around the time of Solo. So now it's more concrete. And uh, stick, staying on the Star Wars thing there, Bill Burr has officially confirmed his, his role in, in, a, in The Mandalorian. Now... I think I talked about this last week, but how how did this only become news recently? How, how did we only find out now that Bill Burr, my favorite comedian right now, is in The Mandalorian? Like, this is the most unexpected news of all. I am so excited to see where this goes. I love Bill Burr. Hopefully he plays like a comedic type role. Otherwise, otherwise I don't know... I don't know how it's how, how it's gonna work because that his it's he's all about timing and and just the way he talks and says things. So I I hope I hope his character is just as glorious as he is in real life. Still still don't understand how that didn't come out till now. Brandon Roth, Brandon Routh, excuse me, will be leaving Legends of Tomorrow and Courtney Ford, who despite being a villain and 
anti-hero the last couple seasons. Is actually his wife in real life. Uh, she'll be departing the show as well. Uh, the statement he released kind of made it seem like they were kind of pushing him out and he didn't really want to leave just yet, but uh, such is the nature of the beast. I don't know how long that show will be on beyond this season. Uh, I mean, it, it is good. It, it is it is the oddball, though, of all the Arrowverse shows. It's more of a comedy than anything, and they like to play around a lot more, but I, I get it. I get it. Uh, the co-creator of Miss Marvel, or Kamala Khan, um, has announced that she has some reservations regarding the newly announced Disney Plus show, and they're, n they're not the reservations you'd expect. They were mainly based off the idea that Miss Marvel's powers will come off as really creepy and not really work very well in terms of of uh, uh, live action because they have to do with stretching and flattening out her body parts and things like this and that doesn't always lend itself well to, to live action work um, just because they're, they're odd powers really and they work best in cartoon or in, in comic format just live action will be interesting is 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 mainly the thing and she hopes that they figure out a way to make it look good cool and and not creep anyone out and then the final bit uh, final bit of tv news here is that jenty tartakovsky uh, otherwise known as the creator of samurai jack and dexter's lab and the star wars clone wars cartoon that came out before revenge of the sith uh, has announced a new show called Primal, and it's going to be on Adult Swim uh, starting October 7th. This show looks fucking cool. It's, it's Tartakovsky's typical animation style, which is... It's not rough, I don't want to say that. But it, it's like in-your-face, uh, harsh lines, nothing smooth. Uh, it showed like Neanderthals riding fucking dinosaurs to catch like mammoths. Like, I'm all fucking in. Like, there is... This has me hooked. I love all his stuff. So I'm not I'm not worried at all about this show doing well. It will be midnight on Adult Swim because this show looks like it's gonna have some some gore and possibly language. So and a lot of other ethereal and mythological stuff. So I'm I'm all fucking in. That's it for TV though. As we kind of go into movies, told you not a lot going on this week. Surprisingly, you know I, I kind of ended last week talking about hoping they would release that new footage of the Rise of Skywalker. And what do you know they did? And I have a lot of questions, and I'm sure by now you've seen a lot of theories being thrown around. Right now, I'm sticking with this, and this came to me from a buddy at work. The The two theories we're going with right now are Darkseid Ray is either a Darkseid Vision or a clone of some kind. And clone, almost like how Starkiller was one of thousands of clones in the Force Unleashed games. That's what we're thinking right now. That is what's going on. What's also really cool is her, like, spring-loaded lightsaber. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's new to canon. It's it's not, actually. It, it first uh, uh, appeared in, in Clone Wars on the episode when they're on Umbara. And Pong Krell, I think, is the Jedi Master. And he has the two lightsabers that flip out like that. He's the uh, he's that forearm dude that was a Jedi Master that then turns on the clones and he goes to the dark side. And then the head inquisitor in rebels who used to be a jedi knight guard actually had a similar lightsaber as well when he was the jedi knight guard so it's, it's not new to canon uh, it's new to film canon though and then the money shot at least to me there's this epic fucking shot of like hundreds maybe thousands of star destroyers all dark in this like nebula type thing and People are like, oh, it's a mothballed fleet. Maybe it's the fleet of the Emperor. Maybe it's the Sith fleet. Probably doesn't belong to the, the First Order. But whole lot of... I just... That image looks fucking sick. It's just Star Destroyers just all lined up uh, in, like, shadows and then get lit up by, like, this lightning. Oh, man. The trailer is worth watching, obviously, if you, if you can't wait for the Rise of Skywalker. But it's also, also worth watching just for that shot. That's how fucking cool it is to me. Bond 25 officially has a name. Uh, casting has been announced. Uh, the cast list was made official. No word yet on if, can't think of her name, if she's playing 007, though. Uh, it's a pretty much just saying 007's in retirement. He gets wrapped back up into nefarious plots. Um, and it's going to be called No Time to Die. And as we all know, it will be released next year. Uh, it was originally supposed to be released this past, this upcoming November. The Uncharted movie has lost yet another director. 
Uh, this movie's sp supposed to come out next year and supposed to start filming at the end of this year, early next year. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this movie's ever coming out. It's just doomed. It's just telling you, like, don't fucking make Uncharted movie. How about that? Or maybe they don't make it with young Nathan Drake. That's just me. I got some news out of the Suicide Squad. And speaking of a dream casting for Nathan Drake, Nathan Fillion, uh, he'll be joining the Suicide Squad. He's a longtime collaborator of James Gunn, so it makes sense. Uh, they're friends. He's been in almost all of his movies. He had a small bit part in the first Guardians of the movie, and then he had a blink and you'll miss it cameo in the second. So that's, that's a good thing. I'd like to see what he does in the DC universe. And speaking of the Suicide Squad, it is now being rumored that Taika Waititi is also joining in an undisclosed role. That would be fucking epic. Uh, I know we they announced that, that a, a com comedic actor had become the voice of, of King Shark and uh, io9 posited like, screw that, Taika should be King Shark. And while that would be really cool, I, I don't know if that would fit the character so much. I'd be down though. Much to... Uh, Great happiness for me, at least. Bloomhouse will not be rebooting Scream in any capacity. Uh, they said they would like to, uh, but they, they, they aren't. My only thing with that is, Scream is a product of the 90s. I don't think you could make a Scream in today's world. I know they have the show right now on MTV, but I, I don't know how well it's doing. I know it's on season three, I think, but Scream is the epitome of, of meta jokes about horror, and and they, it reached its peak. Horror like that reached its peak in the 90s. And in today's interconnected world with cell phones and, and, and things like this and the internet, I, I just don't see, I just don't see Scream working in a modern capacity that it would in the, in the past. And that's, I don't know. I don't know. Ma mainly because Scream is one of the only horror movies that I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, the whole series, really. And... I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lost. I just hope it doesn't get made for a long time, or if it does, it needs to be made as a period piece almost. It's a product of its time. Like I said, I, I don't think it would work in 2019 with 2019 standards. Metro 2033 is getting a film adaptation, uh, not of the game, but of the original book series. So that should be exciting, as long as it gets the proper funding. Uh, also saw a trailer for a new Adam Devine movie, He's growing on me. I, I was never a really big fan of his. I didn't really watch Workaholics or anything, but he's in a movie that looks like a comedic take on on her. The movie that Joaquin Phoenix did where he fell in love with like his smart assistant, played by Scarlett Johansson. But this movie's called Jexy, and Adam Devine has to like argue and he's getting like creeped on by his smart assistant who Rose Byrne is doing the voice of. The movie looks great. And just the trailer alone showed, like, the ridiculous shenanigans they get into. Oh, man. And he tries to, like, start dating a real person, and then the, the phone gets jealous. It, it looks really funny. I, I don't even have to have watched her, and it would still probably be even just as good. It looks really funny. I'm just, I'm just pointing that out. Um, got a new trailer for Terminator Dark Fate. All I have to say is this. Please be good. Just please be good. We've had too many misses at this point in the Terminator franchise. It looks like it has really good potential. Linda Hamilton's back. Her her chemistry with Arnold looks great. I, I just... Please be good. That's all I have. That's all I have to say. Bill and Ted has wrapped filming, surprisingly. I mean, that was a really short... I mean, they, they don't need to do a whole lot of special effects, so that's a movie you could get wrapped up really quickly, especially, especially if it's uh, not a lot of computer stuff and the script's well-written, so... Yeah, that, I'm guessing that movie's going to come out sooner than we all think. And then we also got some more news regarding the Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, we now have a Sonya Blade and a Kano. Um, so now official as Shang Tsung is Chinese actor Chin Han. Uh, he was in Marco Polo. He was also in The Dark Knight. And I don't think I reported on this, but Hiroyuki Sanada has been cast as Scorpion. Um, he was in Westworld as one of the ninjas there. You might recognize him. He was also in Avengers as one of the um, Yakuza that Ronan is, is hunting down. This is joining Joe Taslim as Sub-Zero, Makad Brooks as Jax, Tadanobu Asano as Raiden, Ludi Lin as Liu Kang, uh, Cece Stringer has been cast as Melina, uh, and now we have Josh Lawson as Kano. Uh, he is from Australia, so perfect, because Kano's Australian. And then Jesse McNamee, McNamee is joining the cast as Sonya Blade. 
Um, she is Australian as well, but I'm sure she'll put on an accent. I guess she was in The Meg. Need to see that movie. Uh, then we also know that Louis Tan has been cast in an undisclosed role. Uh, but that movie's shaping up. Getting a really good cast, so I'm hoping it, it turns out really well. I love the original 90s one. Mortal Kombat! Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I always like doing that on this podcast. It's not the first time I've done that. And then, uh, final bit of movie news before we talk about Outpost Discovery. Joker had its premiere at the Venice Film Festival getting a lot, and I mean a lot, of praise. So, uh, we did find out that it's getting a hard R rating, and uh, Todd Phillips was talking with the LA Times, and he said, It was a year-long process from when we finished the script just to get the new people on board with this vision because I pitched it to an entirely different team than, than, than that made it. There were emails about, you realize we sell Joker pajamas at Target. There were a zillion hurdles, and you just sort of had to navigate those one at a time. At the time, I would curse them in my head every day, but then I have to put it in perspective and go, they're pretty bold that they did this. Which, I don't think you could have made this movie without it being a hard R, but a lot of reviews are being solid. It's rotten score, as of right now, is... Let's double check this. Uh, the, the biggest thing I'm seeing is a lot of people say, like, it's it's clear that Todd Phillips's history as a comedy director is, is kind of showing as his some of the drama doesn't doesn't fit. Other than that, though, they're they're saying Joaquin Phoenix is amazing as Joker. Uh, the psychological stuff that's going in with it. 85 right now on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty fucking high, especially for a DC movie. IGN gave it a 10 out of 10. A couple other people gave it out of 10 out of a 10. Hollywood Reporter is praising it. Um, Variety is praising it. Empire gave it out of 5 out of 5. The Guardian gave it out of 5 out of 5. I mean, this this movie is Cinema, cinema Blend, 4.5 out of 5. Joe Blow, 9 out of 10. IndieWire, not so much, though. This is... They're saying it's an awesome movie, period. A lot of the director of the Venice Film Festival said it's definitely going to be an Oscar contention, especially with Joaquin as the Joker. Um, people say it will be debated for a long time, though. It, it deviates a lot, I guess, from standard source material. I'm not a huge fan of that, mainly because, as I stated earlier with Batman and deviating, the Joker is one of my favorite villains of all time uh, he's he's number two to darth vader only and i'm just a little concerned when they say things like that because that that's my biggest issue with heath ledger's joker is that it, it's it's too much of a departure it, it's just way too much of a departure for me personally and i i i know that uh, i i don't know and i'm i'm willing to give the movie its fair shot i will say that and we're just a few weeks away, about a month, I think. So, yeah, I, I'm i happy that it's getting a lot of praise and people are loving it. I Like I said, though, I'm just a little hesitant, a little hesitant to it, mainly because I, I just... And, I, and some people could argue that that love for the Joker is blinding to things. Uh, don't get me wrong, Heath Ledger killed it in the role. I, I just don't like the story it was, it was telling. And I have other issues with the Dark Knight trilogy, and I don't want to get into that because it would just go on and on and on and on and on and on. And I just, I I, I don't want to be, I'm going to go in with normal expectations. I'm not going to expect perfect perfection. I'm not going to expect shit based off what I'm seeing. I just, when it comes to messing with the source material too much, I just, I'm going to be that guy, that line in the sand guy who's like, this is shit. I'm not going to say it's shit. I'll respect it 100% for what it is. I'm just not going... And, and I don't want to say that right now for Joker. And, and I know it sounds like that, but I want to see what they mean and I want to see what they're talking about because lately a lot of people just compare everything to Heath and that's bullshit. People need to compare him overall to all Jokers. Okay, you need to throw... You need to compare him to Jack. You need to compare him to Mark Hamill. You can't be doing this bullshit where it's all just a based off Heath because I think it's overblown when it comes to Heath. I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. Let's talk about Halo Outpost Discovery before as, as we finish up here today. So this past Saturday, I went to Halo Outpost Discovery, which essentially was like a convention for Halo. They, they kind of build it as like a, a theme park experience, which kind of made sense because they, they kind of had... 
like rides or experiences, if you will, that that you wouldn't normally see at a, a convention, really. And I did buy the the VIP pass, if you will. And there were a lot of cool things at Halo, and a lot of things that were not cool. I did go by myself, which I mean I was kind of planning on from the beginning when it was first announced, because not everyone is into Halo as 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 they used to be and at least my friends wise but what was really cool uh, I'll say off the bat was the the museum experience where it's kind of first when you when you first walk in uh, Halo music's playing you're kind of greeted by the AI of the the outpost which is stationed on a Halo ring uh, you get to see a life-size chief a life-size elite a warthog um, and uh, life-size weapons and, and different things that they, they kind of explain they kind of explain the, the history of, of the of the universe, if you will. And uh, there's like historians there to kind of answer your questions. But then at the same time, there's also this this uh, guided tour experience, which was really cool. And it starts off where you, you get to experience like a chunk of the ring and, and the AI explains it to you. And then they take you to these different rooms. You get to see a life-size sentinel, which are way bigger than, than probably anyone realizes. You get to see a life-size flood, guilty spark, and uh, uh, essentially is how, uh, how big he would be in, in reality. And then they do this really cool like flyover, like, um, like 360 dome view of like a drone flying on, on a ring. And there's there's a lot of cool experiences. What I didn't do is I did not partake in some of the other larger events like the the VR and the augmented reality and the the Pelican like game thing or the Covenant Escape mainly because I didn't have time because I I wasn't about to sit in a two hour line by myself. I mean. Yeah, there's other Halo fans, but but a, a part of that is like, if I was with people, maybe I would have done that. But there were signings I wanted to get to, which we come to my biggest pet peeve. And they did not release the schedule until like a day or two before. And granted, there was an app that explained some of these things, but it's like, how am I supposed to know about the app beforehand? Because they don't tell you in an email or anything like that you pick up your ticket the day of it wasn't emailed beforehand the other problem is the app barely worked in the convention center even with the convention center wi-fi there were other issues that i i i mean the vip experience you don't get front of the line access there isn't there was a vip lounge but that vip lounge was just a couple TVs set up with Xbox to play Halo. A couple of the Halo uh, uh, Fireteam Raven, which is the Dave and Buster's arcade experience. And then there's like some seats and free drinks and stuff. And it's like that that was kind of lame. There was a meet and greet at like 7.30, but I wasn't about to stay there the whole night because... You know, it's a Saturday, and I, I kind of wanted to get home. Um, but but going back to the schedule, it's like I did not get to meet the voice of Master Chief Steve Downs or Jen Taylor, the voice of Cortana and Doctor Halsey, because I did not know at what time they were gonna have their signing on Saturday. So that was a little frustrating. I did get to meet Frank O'Connor and uh, uh, and and Joe Staten, who. Frank O'Connor's the franchise director. I mean, he's pretty much in charge of all transmedia and everything. He's like number two or three at 343. Joe Staten worked on the original Halo. Uh, then he left. He wrote a book for Halo. Then he's back for, for, for Microsoft. But it's just like, how am I supposed to... How am I supposed to know about these things without being being notified the day before? Like I said, the app sucked. Uh, I did get to see a cool, pa cool panel with Joe Staten. And, and actually, no, Joe Staten was not on the panel. But the panel was Frank O'Connor, uh, Sketch from 343, and Max Hoberman. The, the three guys who helped 
uh, essentially shape Halo and Halo 2 and multiplayer. So I did get to see that panel, which was really cool. But the, the only thing that was worth the VIP but not worth the price was that you got the guaranteed Funko Pop, which I did get signed. Uh, I did get to meet one of my favorite authors, Troy Denning, who also wrote for Star Wars and is now in Halo. So I got to see him, and he got to sign my book. So that, that was really nice. But what kind of pissed me off is if I'd known this ahead of time, I would have probably gone to the Sunday day instead because I would have gotten to meet uh, Aaron Greenberg, who's the number two at Xbox pretty much, and Jeff Keighley, the creator of the Game Awards, which would have been way cooler to do than what I did the day before, and Troy Denning would have been there again. So it's like, what the hell? Why, why was this stuff not announced sooner? And I would have taken full advantage of my getting to go in an hour earlier with VIP. Because, granted, it was an hour away from where I live. So I wasn't about to wake up that much earlier to, to go in. And, and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm being a little bit nitpicky on, on that front. Um, I did get some cool exclusive stuff. It, it, it was a little... The store was a little lacking. Um, they did have some exclusive stuff that was a little cheaper uh, book-wise and comic-wise than, than what you'd probably pay out in the real world. And I did get a really cool jacket that you got to personalize. And I did put my gamer tag on that. And my, my other thing is, it, it's clear. There were a lot of other experiences that were kind of kind of lame. They had like a... Boomco makes the like nerf gun nerf type guns for Halo. They had that set up. They had an armory stage uh, where cosplayers could meet and then they had different panels on cosplaying and things like this in the Halo universe. But ultimately, I I think if they do this again, they'll they'll need to have more stations set up and take more advantage of the space that they were in because there was a lot of wasted space and the Anaheim Convention Center is huge. There's like a downstairs, if I'm not mistaken. There's an upstairs. They they could have really done a better job of, of utilizing the space that they had. And uh, I did get to play Halo Reach on PC. Ran buttery smooth. It was on a uh, RTX graphics card, though. I don't know if it was a 2070 or 2080. Um, the one thing I'll say, though, is I'm, I should never have played in Heroic on PC because, A, I haven't played Halo on PC in probably... 15 plus years and I kind of don't the controls were were a, a little odd um, and I wasn't used to them and you couldn't change the sensitivity so I was kind of like all over the place so I, it was a little frustrating for the 15 minutes I got to play uh, but like I said it was buttery smooth it was very very clean uh, no issues, no lag, nothing. It, it ran very well. Looked really nice for a 10-year-old game. Uh, Grinning with RTX, obviously. But that played really well. Unfortunately, it was just one level from the campaign. It was tip of the spear. No multiplayer or anything like that, but, th but that's okay. But my, like I said, it, Halo Outpost Discovery was a fun experience. Uh, definitely could use some work if, if they decide to do it again. Um, surprisingly, there wasn't a whole lot of mention of, of Reach or like Halo Wars or anything like that. It was mostly focused on on the Chief and some of the mainline stuff. Somewhat Halo 1, some Halo 2 things. And not a whole lot of other like exhibitors at, at, the, at it as well. So that, clearly it's, 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 it's its first time. It's its first year as a convention. It went around to different places. It wasn't like a one stable place that would benefit from being somewhere for like a week total in one stable place that could maybe take advantage of the stuff. And that kind of explains maybe why they didn't fully take advantage of the, the space that they had because they kept moving around and, and, and things like this all over the country. But just the main thing, next time maybe send your passes in advance so people don't have to wait in ridiculously long lines for that. Also... Maybe if you're going to sell a VIP experience, make it worthwhile and actually have VIP exclusive stuff. So 
maybe have a VIP signing that's separate from the main one where if you weren't at a certain place at a certain time, you wouldn't get guaranteed a ticket to be able to get that said signing. Um, maybe put out the schedule earlier so people can plan their day ahead of time and let them know, hey, there's an app to download and not kind of find out about the app when you get there. And granted, that's kind of on me because I know they had been talking about that a bit from the other experiences, but it's like it, it wasn't advertised. It was kind of just said in the ether on like Reddit and other game sites and things like this. So it definitely could use some work. It was definitely a, a, a better start than some other conventions I've been to. The store was handled well where it was you kind of walk up to the counter and tell them what you want and they go and grab it for you instead of it just being a mishmash of things that are just thrown into into bins that you grab, which I had the experience of at Star Wars Celebration in, in 2015, which was not a fun experience. But overall, I, I think it, it it's a good starting point, but there's definitely some work. And next time, I would definitely go with a friend uh, just so that way... If if uh, you there are long lines again, you can have someone to chit-chat with instead of having to make friends with strangers. And also that way maybe it, it would be more bearable to spend the whole day there instead of wanting to kind of get out by a certain point. But overall, it was an okay experience. I'd say like a 5 out of 10 if I was going to rate the experience. Uh, but that was Halo Outpost Discovery. Thank you guys for listening this week. Again, I'm your host, Nick, for Nick's Nerd News. Check us out at nicksnerdnews.com. You can find links to all our social pages like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'll be posting pictures from Halo Outpost Discovery, some gameplay videos for Control. Also, also on nicksnerdnews.com, you can listen to the podcast past episodes right in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen on the go, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes pages where you can subscribe to the show. So that way you have my voice with you wherever you go. And on that note, as always, you do you. Fuck the haters. Don't let them drag you down. And I will catch you guys on the flip side.